Today's story is the origin of Spider-Man. Peter Parker was a normal high schooler living in Queens with his Aunt May and Uncle Ben. As a bookworm with a love for science, Peter was mocked by the other kids and called Midtown High's professional wallflower. One day after school, Peter goes to see a demonstration of new radioactive technology. A little spider happens to pass through the demonstration and becomes irradiated. The radioactive spider climbs up Peter's body and bites him. Not for any reason, I guess it just wanted to fit in with the cool kids. The spider bite gives Peter the proportional strength, reflexes, and wall climbing ability of a human spider. To test out his new powers, Peter puts on a mask and fights the professional wrestler Crusher Hogan. Peter wins easily, and Hogan's producer is so impressed that he offers Peter a job as a pro entertainer. Peter sews himself a costume and invents artificial webbing to add flair to the act. Altogether, Peter Parker becomes television's newest sensation, the Spider-Man. The Spider-Man. I still like Spider-Man. I'm about to round out 50 years old. I'm still into Spider-Man. The original one. The Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, by the way. Yeah, I'm OG, baby. Hey, let's open with the word of prayer. Jesus, thank you so much for this time. God, we just had a beautiful time of communion, and our hearts are open to receive. Pour something into us today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, so you too have a superhero origin story. You're a superhero. You're like, Heath, I'm a mom. That's trying to get my ducks in a row. Actually, just get them in the same pond would be nice. Or Heath, my superhero body days, physique, those have passed now. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to talk about the special abilities that God's placed inside your life. God has put something special inside of you that is, uh, that's only for you. It's something very special. We're going to talk about that today. Now, we're in a sermon series called Plot Twist, and we've been going through the life of Joseph Let's do a little recap here if, uh, if you have not been catching, following along. All right, so we started out with a young teenager, had these dreams that everything was going to go his way. He tells his brothers, guys, you're going to worship me someday. They said, I don't think so. They throw him in a cistern, throw, sell him into slavery, because that's what a loving brother would do. Off to slavery. He gets taken by these uh, travelers. They're off to their way, on their way to Egypt. Okay, while he's in Egypt as a slave, he's working for a guy named Potiphar, who's like the head of the secret service. He's the head of the guard, the royal guard. Well, Potiphar's wife says, you look nice, and she keeps trying to hit on him. He rejects all his advances, her advances, but she doesn't like that, so she tells her husband, this guy tried to sexually assault me, and uh, so he's thrown in jail for something he did not do. Now, down in the prison, we talked about this last week, you have, he has two guys that are down there with him, and it's a cupbearer, a royal cupbearer who the king got mad at, and a baker, the head baker that the king got mad at. And they both have dreams. They said, we got these dreams. And he goes, all right, let me interpret your dreams. They tell him the dreams. It happens exactly like he said it was going to happen. Joseph said it was going to happen. And that brings us to where we're at here today. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 41, starting in verse 1. Two full years later, he rotted in that jail. Pharaoh's dreamed uh, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. Pharaoh has two dreams this night. The first one has these cows. And there's like a big fat cow that comes up out of the banks of the Nile. And then a scrawny little bones cow comes up and eats the fat one. He goes back to bed like, that was weird. Must have been eating some really wild pepperoni. The next, uh, next dream he has right back to back was this sheath, this wheat sheath. And it had seven healthy big grains on it. And then the seven, um, like, scrawny little grains come up and take over where the big grains were. 
So, okay, that, that's the dreams. Now, the next morning, Pharaoh was very disturbed by the dreams. So he called for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. When Pharaoh told them his dreams, not a one of them could tell him what they meant. They were all like, I don't know. Once again, like Pizza King. That Pizza King always does it to me, by the way. <laughs> Finally, the king's chief cupbearer spoke up. That was the one in prison with Joseph. Today, I've been reminded of my failure, he told Pharaoh. There was a young Hebrew man with us in the prison who was a slave of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he told us what each of our dreams meant. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once. He was quickly brought from the prison after he shaved and changed his clothes. I just like how the Bible puts that kind of stuff in there. Like, you know, you're looking nasty down there. Come on, clean yourself up a little bit. He went in and stood before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one here could tell me what it means. But I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Now notice here, key verse. It's beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied. But God, in other words, God working through Joseph, can tell you what it means and set you at ease. So Pharaoh told Joseph his dreams. Now Joseph responded, both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. The next seven years, remember there's a big cow and a big grain, will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt. But afterward, there will be a seven years of famine so great, remember the scrawny cow, that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. The famine will destroy the land. He totally nails it. Now Pharaoh's really impressed. Notice what he says. Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. So jo Joseph puts right in there, you know what? You really need to find somebody, uh, like an intelligent and wise person. <coughs> That's going to help you. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man? So obviously filled with the spirit of God. Everybody else knew something's different about this guy. When the hand of God's on our life, that's how it is. Well, something very different, see. You will be in charge. He puts Joseph in charge of my court. All my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a higher uh, rank higher than yours. Each of you should use whatever gift you have. This is 1 Peter 4.10. Whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various form. Okay, so I put a New Testament verse in here because I want to really uh, focus in on Joseph. What did he do? He had this gift, dream interpretation. Well, he finds himself in front of Pharaoh. And he uses it just like 1 Peter chapter 4. Okay. Yes, you have special abilities given to you by God. The word each of you there in 1 Peter 4 is akastos, and it means every single person with no one excluded. Because it's easy to think like, oh, that person, they're talented, they're smart, they're gifted. Truly, God's with them. And then you're like, but, but, but what about me? What about, what about me? How, how come I don't seem to have any, any talents? Well, the, the word akastos means everyone, no one excluded. So today I want to help you find the things in your heart and life that God has placed in your heart so that you can change the world or at least change our world, the people who God has placed us around. Yes, some people's gifts are more visible than others, but that doesn't mean someone has a better gift than someone else. That's not how God works it. That's our human mind. 
When we see somebody, oh, they're an important person. Oh, look, they're doing something big for God. No, no, no. That's a very human way of looking at it. When we look at it from God's perspective, you know what we find? Sometimes when you do just a little obedience for the Lord, it has a great big impact in the hearts of somebody else. You know, somebody mentored, prayed with, and helped Billy Graham. Billy Graham went to Sunday school as a kid, and somebody put the Word of God in his life, and aren't we glad? You know, that's the kind of stuff. There's a bunch of unsung heroes all through the body of Christ that someone did what they were called to do, and God's calling us to do something as well. So, yes, you, 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 every single one of us here has something placed in you that, that no one's to be excluded. Now, what we got to do is embrace what God has placed in you. First Peter 4.10, you have received. The word received here is lambano. That's a, such a cool-sounding word, right? Sounds like a guy like James Lombano, starring James Lombano. The word received, it, it, it doesn't just mean like, it means, yeah, like you receive a catch, but it really means you receive it so deeply into your life that you own it. Now, okay, some of us think like, oh, this other person, I wish I had their gifts. I wish I had their skills. I wish I had what God placed in their life. And we're like, what about what God's placed in my life? Listen, it's unique, it's different, and we've got to lambano it. Matter of fact, let me tell you a little personal story. When I was first getting into ministry, I was like, okay, God, okay, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do what you called me to do. Okay, I surrender. And then I started looking at all these ministries that I respected, and I tried to mimic them. And I tried to be them. I thought, oh, maybe, maybe that's what. Okay, maybe he called me to be this. And, it was, and then God was like, no, that's not it. Maybe you called me to do this. That, yeah, that looks cool. No, that's not it. And it wasn't <laughs> too long where God said, Heath, I want you to be a Bible teacher. Okay, that's so uncool. <laughs> so very uncool. I mean, at least give it a cooler name, Bible teacher. Even now, I'm saddened by it. Yes, I, call, I get to help lead Church of the Heartland, which is awesome, but really, if you haven't caught on yet, what I do is I teach the Bible. And I try to do it in a way where people can grab a hold of things, put it deep in their heart, and, and have God come out of their life. That's what I do. And I've got to be honest, I wish I was, it was something else. I wish it was more glamorous. Got my little TV screen, tried to up it a little bit here. <laughs> make a little more glamorous, make the little slide, see the cool guy. But the reality is I teach the Bible. And I wanted to be someone else, and I can't be someone else. i got to be me. What I'm trying to do now, though, is lambano, grab up what God said for me to do, grab it up in my heart and say, all right, this may not be too glamorous, but I thank you, God. You've, I'm going to do it with all that, that I can do, and I'm going I'm to put everything into it so I can help people understand who you are because you are the Word of God. Jesus, you are the Word. If they can know the Word, they can know you. But we've got to lambano that, even if it's not glamorous, even if it's not necessarily cool. That's what God's called us to do. Now, new study reveals what Americans think about their purpose. Uh, Arizona Christian University did this study a couple years ago. And it said 86% of Americans believe that the universe, God in the universe, has some kind of plan going on. In other words, like this whole thing's not an accident. 
86%, all right, not bad. I mean, that's 14% of very sad people in America that just feel like there's no point whatsoever. But 86%, all right, I'm giving you a thumbs up, America. They also found that 66% of Christians now, 66% of Christians believe God's put something inside of them. All right, two-thirds. I'm guessing two-thirds of you today, hopefully maybe more, two-thirds of you today believe that God put something in your life, that you're here for a purpose and on purpose. But here's where it drops off. 18% believe that that purpose that God gave them should be used for the kingdom of God. Boo. In other words, one out of four Christians in America wants to take what God's given them and be a blessing and put it into the hearts of somebody else, do something for God with it. You guys remember this guy, Ronnie James Dio. Can you believe I'm doing a slide with this ugly guy on it? He was the lead singer of Black Sabbath and uh, Deep Purple and then later his band Dio. Now, in the 80s, I don't know you ever, you don't, 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 you don't necessarily have to do any research if you don't know who this guy is. He's a heavy metal singer, kind of got an opera voice. Um, well, he's doing a little, he's even doing the devil horns right there. In 1983, Ronnie James Dio had an interview on Circus Magazine, and he said in that interview, I believe God gave me a gift to sing. Okay, you get where I'm going here, right? I do believe God gave him a gift to sing. But I can just tell you, with the devil horns and the such and the wicked-looking eyes, I don't think Ronnie is using those gifts for the kingdom of God. He would be in the 80%, would he not? I believe I got something from God. Actually, his voice really is incredible. But what did he use it for? He used it for himself. He used it to get himself ahead. He didn't use it for the purposes that God put it in his heart for. Gosh, guys. What a heartbreaking thing. You know, God has put something special in every single one of us, but we've got to use it to help put someone else closer to Jesus. That's the whole purpose in it. Now, these special abilities must be used to help others find God. That's the point. Use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Now, the word serve here is diakonios, and it means uh, we get the word deacon from this word, actually. Serve. But it doesn't mean like, it means, it means serve like a waiter or a waitress at a table. So that's what we're supposed to do. The thing that God's given us to do, we just serving it up on a platter to other people. I'm a Bible teacher. What am I doing today? I even put a little garnish on there. Ding. <laughs> right? You got to make it look just right. I'm a little cool whip. Pow. Take what God's put in your heart and use it for someone else to come closer to Christ. That's what we got to do. We can't, be, we can't be about ourselves. Now, going back to the life of Joseph, he was very clearly making sure everybody knew this is not me that's doing this. This was God. This is not me. He said that, like, oh, I don't have the power to do this, but God's about to do something through me, and I'm going to tell you what it is. There was a humility involved. There was an understanding that this was all God and not him. Now, you might be thinking, how am I even going to know what these gifts are in my life, Heath? How am I going to know that? Where do I even begin? Well, begin where you're at would be a good place to start. 
And that's my point here. If we don't use our gifts in the prison, then we won't get to use them in the palace. See, notice Joseph interpreted the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker down in the prison time. He didn't just say like, oh, I'm just way too good to be doing this down here with you fellow prisoners. Don't you realize I'm important? God gave me two dreams when I was a teenager that my own family be bowing down to me. I'm not about to use my skills for some little people like you. No, Joseph used it wherever he needed to use it. Guys, I see this in the body of Christ all the time, and hopefully not in in any heart here, but we got to make sure we're not the kind of people that are only going to use what God put in our life when we're in the palace instead of when we're in the prison. We got to use it in the small things. Everybody wants to be big and then get bigger. That's not how it works in the kingdom of God. Look at Joseph. Joseph just wanted to help the the cupbearer and the the baker just want to help him i'll do that for you sure yeah god can use me like that and since he did it for the people who have no who cannot pay him back god opened up the door for the palace see we got to do what god's called us to do in the prison for god to open up the door to do it in the palace that's not what we americans like we don't want to start at the bottom we don't want to start way down here listen Find out what's easy for you that's hard for somebody else. I think it's like 98% of people hate public speaking. In other words, the vast majority of you do not want to be on this stage doing what I'm doing right now. You're like, just kill me now, Heath. But yet for me, I'm having a good time. I actually like it. So what is it in your heart that is easy for you to do and hard for someone else to do? Even for me, I get to preach several different services on a Sunday morning. Why? Because it's like, yeah, tack on another one. We just got done with our Christmas uh, planning for our Christmas services. Wow. I think I preached seven Christmas services. I'm stoked, man. I'm thrilled. Yeah, it pays the same, by the way. Why? Because I, I just want to use whatever God's put in my life. I want to use it. Well, start where. start with whatever other people don't want to do and you don't mind doing you kind of like it man that's almost always a good sign for for something that you can use for for the lord or what kind of comes easy to you what comes naturally to you and like i said i wanted to be somebody else but god had a different calling in my life what came naturally to me explaining the bible so i was like okay that's a great really good place to start what what what's an easy thing for you that's hard for somebody else you know some people they're inside they're kind of introverted and other people are extroverted man if you're an extrovert the body of christ needs you we need you you gotta be smiling and shaking hands you know people think the church is really unfriendly we got to break that out of that right now all those introverts you're like please don't touch me don't look at me we need you too introverts there's all kinds of things for us to do behind the scenes that doesn't have to have a stage involved but if they don't if it's not done the body of christ can't do what we're called to do and and don't don't think like well i don't know how just walk through the door that's open in front of you right now that's what i'm encouraging to do everybody just walk through the door that's open in front of you and i don't know what that is for you but it the lord will open a door don't think it's too small for you just walk through the door that's open in front of you right now All right, how do we apply this to our lives? 
Ask others what they see in you, what comes easy to you, and start using your gifts right now. First, you can ask some other people. Ask some veteran Christians, what do you see God doing in me? How do you see me being used for the Lord? And then what comes easy to you, okay? It's like, oh, man, that's, that, can't be, that can't be the gift from God in my life. That's way too easy. That's how it usually works. The thing that just kind of flows from your heart easily, that's usually what it is. And number three, start right now. Where you at right now, start right now. Don't even wait till, uh, <laughs> don't wait till later. Start using it right now. Take a step right now. And I tell you, I know it's our church, it looks like we got things kind of rolling. We are in desperate need of a lot of help. We really are. We could use help all over the place. So, so I mean, take a step. I remember I did youth group one time. I was, like, I was just in ministry. I was like 20 years old. And they're like, you're young. You can relate to teenagers. They hated me. Oh, that ain't it. <laughs> so you might have to do what I did and kind of bounce, do like a, <laughs> like a bumper car. It's like, oh, that wasn't it. And I'm telling you, get the car rolling, and, t- and God will open the right door. I promise you he will. But I think many times we wait too long and we're waiting for everything to be exactly right. No, lots of times, I mean, look at Joseph's life, the idea of the plot twist. Joseph could have never comprehended that him helping that cupbearer one day was what was gonna put him as the governor of the most powerful uh, country on the planet. You cannot figure out in your mental little, our mental little heads, our, not mine, yours, mine too, we cannot figure out how God's gonna open the big door. So, so go ahead and stop trying and just walk through the door that God's already placed right in front of you. Hey, let's have a time of prayer. Every head bowed, please, and every eye closed. Lord, we just pray right now in agreement. And I first pray for everyone who is just uh, trying to figure out what their gifts are. Uh, a lot of people just kind of glance off of the of the little gifts and the buried treasures you put inside of them not realizing that these gifts talents and abilities that we're all given stewardship over are things that you've put in us and i pray lord you help us to recognize them because we all have them but some of us have just uh, some of us just have such a low opinion of ourselves that we can't even see the good when it shows up we can't see the things that we can do that other people may struggle with. So I pray, Lord, that you help us to show us where our place is, where our gifts, where our talents, where our abilities are at, and how we can use those to bless the kingdom of God. We pray, Lord, that you don't have to, uh, we don't have to have the exact fulfillment of what we want, but take the step in front of us that you've given us, the door that you've opened, no matter how small it is, and step out in faith and move forward in faith with that. Pray that no matter how old or how young or how uh, seemingly messed up that our lives are in our own estimation, that we stop looking at things through our estimation and start looking at things with your eye, with an eternal estimation, and start where we're at today to move forward in a way to bless the kingdom of God and to use the gifts that you've given us in a way that blesses you and blesses the people you've given us in our lives to be a blessing to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.